You are listening to the To Faithful Men podcast. To Faithful Men is a project that started in 2006 to digitize and preserve old sermon and study tapes of Elder Wally Flanagan, Elder Hassel Wallace, and Elder Mike Strevel. They were pastors and teachers, and they studied to teach and train up others to continue in the ways of truth. I am thankful to be able to provide you with these sermons and studies, and I hope they will be a blessing to you. We have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your feet. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel, and they go forward. But lift thou up thy rod, and stretch out thine hand over the sea, and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I, behold, I will harden the heart of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them. And I will get me honor upon Pharaoh, and upon all his hosts, upon his chariots, and upon his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. When I have gotten me honor upon Pharaoh, upon his chariots, and upon his horsemen, and the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them, and the pillar of the cloud went, went from before their face, and stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel, and it was a cloud and darkness to them, but it gave light by night to thee, so that the one came near, so the one came not near to the other all the night. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord called the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night, and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. The children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. And the, Egyptians pursu- and, and the Egyptians pursued and went in after them to the midst of the sea, even all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And it came to pass that in the morning, watch, the Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians and took off their chariot wheels and they drove them heavily. So that the Egyptians said, Let us flee. Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. I'm just going to, I'm going to stop reading that. That's in verse 25. I want to speak to you tonight about going forward. I desire great interest in your prayers and a good listening here. I believe what I'll say to you tonight will be possible to my life and to yours. And if I believe it would be great, a great benefit to this church. I'm interested in this church regardless of where the Lord leads me or where I make my stay. I don't have to wonder whether I love this church or whether I'm interested in its future. I'm deeply concerned. The things that I'm talking to you about tonight will not be anything new. And if you don't love the church, if you do not love God, you'll think I'm gouging. But if you love this church and love God, I believe you'll appreciate my message if God will just bless me to bring it to you. Going forward. So we want to begin uh, with a cornerstone. We talked about this 
of this verse, Sunday night, one of them. But this verse is in John 8 and 31. This is one of the great cornerstones that any person would have to have to go forward under God's banner. Before we go into this, we should realize now that, that we can work with, without uh, a spiritual mind. This building could have been built without any spiritual mind whatsoever. We can go each day and exercise strength without spiritual strength. All of these things are so. But we cannot work for God without a spiritual mind. We cannot work in the church to live in God to where God will recognize it without a spiritual mind. But we can work in the church even not being born again because the Bible warns of impostors over and over and over again that in the church. The men in this church have accepted responsibility. I doubt seriously if they are me the one who realized the load that we are supposed to shoulder and to lead this church. I doubt that seriously. So I put myself in that. I tell you, it's an awesome responsibility. But I'm a fear for not only this place, but Christianity is at large. You're taking this mighty life. Therefore, we're being greatly hindered. So I just, I just want you to pray for me that I can speak to you in love and meekness and in understanding. John 8 and 31, here's what, it, here's what Jesus said. And it truly is a major cornerstone for anyone in Egypt to go forward. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. Now Jesus said that it's an absolute must that ye continue in my school. Now we need to accept that, friend. There's a lot of people doing a lot of things by their own thinking. They have no concept or whether it's a verse of scripture that backs it up or not. There's a lot of traditions in the land, not only among Baptists, but just among religion, a lot of traditions that people have no concept of how much scripture is behind it. They're just willing to do it and almost give their lives to protect it, just because that it's in the world. But Jesus said, I'm interested now, and so the thing I want to get over to you now is this word, indeed. He said, if you continue in my word, Ye are my, my disciples indeed. I believe that word indeed is there for a reason when Jesus used it. I want to tell you just what that means. Uh, as a, uh, here's just the first meaning that I found about it. This word indeed means to lie hid, to be hid, to be ignorant of or unaware. It means as not concealing truth. Truly and truth. Truly, indeed, and surely, and of surety. Now this is this is this, this is a thing, a shade of meaning that this word has when Jesus said, If you continue in my school, it means I'll never dismiss you. It means you can never have a diploma until you get ready to die, and I'll give you one that'll let 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 it say to you, Well done, my good and faithful servant. But until that day, it's not like going to high school and college and think you've learned it all. Jesus said you must continue on and on and on and grow and grow and grow. Now, the person uh, that is not willing to do this should never be put in responsible situations in the church of the living God. Whether it's a preacher, whether it's a man, woman, boy, or girl, unless he's willing to believe that Jesus Christ said this, that if lesson you're willing to be this learner on and on and on, then you cannot be my disciple. But now... Here, after seeing those words, then here's, here's what I get out of that. I want to read that to you. Uh, and and I, I don't believe I'm wrong. There's a lot of things that be said about it, and you could word it in your own way. 
Jesus does not desire his disciples to be ignorant, hid, unawares, neither concealed or concealing, but true to his commands that all may know whose school we're attending. In other words, you see, that'll sound so simple to you tonight. But every person that comes in this assembly from this night forth and, and, and all along should leave here being compelled that that body of people is attending Jesus' school. Don't tell me I'm wrong about that. Now, people that's not interested in that, well, well not, I don't mean this to be saying that you're not, wish I hadn't said it, could be less interested. But the people that, that if anyone should take that attitude, that'd be dangerous in a responsible position in this church or any other, even including the ministry. Now, you remember that. Unless you're going to believe I believe, I believe this church or any other church can go forward in a fleshly way. But there's a difference between going forward fleshly and going forward spiritually. Remember that. And, and you or anyone else will know the difference in how we track it. Now then, to continue in what I said, it is not accomplished by wishing. I believe, I mean this, I believe that we're born wishers. You remember of the little nursery rhyme that said, Starlight, star bright, the first star I see tonight, I wish I may, I wish I might, have the wish I wish tonight. It's a little child. Well, every little child really ought to know that and say it. Old people ought to tolerate it. But as we grow older, as we go in forward, according to the, to the time of my discourse tonight, we have to stop wishing. I want to read you a verse that shows you that Jonah wished he could die. And the only thing it would take for him to carry that out is to went to work and got a dagger and pointed it into his heart. But he only wished it wouldn't work. So therefore he didn't want to die anyway, but he wished it. Won't you follow me tonight? I wish I had this, I wish I had that. I wish this about the preacher, I wish that about the church. People that continues in Christ's school stops that sooner or later and realizes that only under God's sovereignty as we work will we have anything as God would have us to work. Now then in Jonah chapter 4 and verse 8. I want to read that to you. Jonah wished to die, but seemed unwilling to inflict the wound. And it came to pass, when the sun did arise, that God prepared a vehement east wind, and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah, and he fainted, and wished in himself to die, and said, It is better for me to die than live. I wonder why he didn't kill himself. All that Jonah would have had to have done is to brought his wish to pass, just to work for him. But he's only like a little, little child that looked up and, and waiting on that first star to pop out. And when it comes to pass, they make a wish. It's like walking up to this wishing well and throwing a nickel in it and making a wish. And some people really believe it might come so. You know that we might wish to be wise and be unwilling to study. Have they ever thought about that? See, I'm a wisher by nature, and I've built some of the biggest iron castles of anyone in this building. But it, it would be possible for me to wish to be wise and be unwilling to study. It might be, I, I could wish to be strong and be unwilling to take exercise. 
Either one of those wishes would never come true, just like old Jonah. He could have killed himself. He'd have wanted to, but he'd just wish Then, do you remember the reason I'm saying this? To show you that even continuing in Christ's school will take more than wishes for me or for you or anyone else. We got some people that's going over here to, this, to the university, but they had to do more than wish about it. They had to work. Although I've been speaking to you about the sovereignty of God, but under that sovereignty, God expects me to work within the realms of those works that he's ordained for me and for you. I could wish for a powerful, moving, dedicated, unstoppable church, but I could be unwilling to work for it, but I could wish for it, on and on and on. I could wish to be rich and be completely unwilling to ever start a consistent bank account to give a little money out of each one of my checks to attain that. I could wish to have a lot of young people and then stay around the church and then be unwilling to do what God had had me to do to keep them back. Now, I'm going to say this to you tonight. If some people have not misrepresented to me, and I know I've seen it in my life, and it's been in other churches where I didn't know about it wasn't that God didn't send the young people. The churches was unwilling to do what God told them to do to keep them. So they stayed around a while and walked off. And now there's a bunch of old people there, and they're lamenting what went wrong. So the thing that went wrong is that they just wish from the day, but they're unwilling to work for God to keep them there. Just exactly what's happened. We could wish at this place for a preacher's home and be unwilling to make the necessary effort to even begin it. Realize that? You can start tonight in that effort if you wanted to and set a goal ten years from that. But try wishing one up on some corner lot somewhere. Try wishing for a pastor to be in this town. Just wish him on it here. Wish for strength to be in this church. Wish for me to preach good and never pray for me and see how we get along. Just wish it on. Oh, Jonah wished that he could die. So then you cannot wish yourself in Christ, too. But Jesus said, if you continue in the faith in my word, you will be a disciple indeed. Then instead of wishing, we must have actions under God's instructions through God's power. I see, I want to read you that in Thor in Exodus. And I'll read you a verse again that I read in that. Exodus 14 and 15 says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore is thou crying to me, Moses? Why do you keep standing there? Do you want me to pick you up in an airplane and fly you across? Why do you cry unto me? Speaking to the children of Israel that they may go forward. And I'm going to challenge you tonight. To find me one instance in the Bible where that God said go forward and he didn't see them through. So I'm, going to, I'm going to put out another challenge tonight. In any life, in any church, in any age, or in any Bible story, you find me a bunch of people that's traveling in their own strength and find me an outcome of victory, and I'll preach about it next Sunday morning if God lets me meet you. You may take this line tonight. But the future of this church and your lives and the glory of God depends and hinges on what I'm talking about tonight. Moses, don't say another word to me. I've told you what to do. You're going to have to walk. So move. 
But what the, Moses would have never wished himself across the Red Sea. Never wished himself. Remember, friends, all that Jonah had to do was kill himself. But he just wished himself. I could wish for knowledge in this Bible and I could be a great biblical scholar but be unwilling to burn the midnight on. You can know folks people sometimes it's almost wishing to be a faithful church member that never enters the door. It, you, this is not wishing. Working for the sovereign God is laboring. He demands me to move. He demands me to get in his school and stay therein. Now then, if, we, if we're going to do this, we're to remember from whence comes our help. That's an important thing for Brother Wallace to remember. I forgot it so many times in my life. So many times I forgot it. And when churches get in any difficulty of any nature, you can mark down one thing, that they have forgotten from which cometh their help. So they're headed their own self. But they're in mighty lot of difficulty. Now then, after that Moses and the Israelites crossed that Red Sea, they momentarily they remembered from which cometh their help. And to speak of it in the next chapter. I'm going to read to you now the first two verses in Exodus chapter 15. To see that they hadn't forgotten this time from whence come their help. Let's see what they said about it. Exodus 15, verses 1 and verse 2. Now that I'm going to say this, and I won't be saying this much along, but I can guarantee this church tonight, if you allow your anxiety at the foot of Jesus Christ with a genuine heart about the pastor calling and do what you're supposed to, God will give you one. I'll guarantee it. He'll be who that God wants and he'll do you a lot of good. Try to wish him in. You say, what if he wanted you? All hell couldn't keep me away, God wanted me. But all hell can't keep me here wishing. Wish him on in. There's going to be a lot of awful people take this life. But there's been an awful lot of people wished in churches through the ages and they've rotted down right out from under them. The young people got tired and walked away. Exodus 15, verses 1 and 2. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horses and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him in habitation. My Father is God, and I will exalt him. Oh, what precious words that is. What victory there is in it. He talks about he's become my salvation. Well, no wonder they could say that. They just got out of the sea and then escaped a great salvation indeed. Now then I want to make this statement you tonight because I've heard this all along in my journey with you. That Brother Wally should be killed from recognition because he is the original pastor. And the original 13 should be killed some extra recognition because they started. I don't believe either one of those statements. Here's what Brother Wallace believes. The original pastor of this church, well, he's not due any recognition above any other preacher, 
And the original 13 is not due any recognition above any other member. But who is due all recognition is God, the one that delivered Israel and delivered us this night. I have no patience with anyone that thinks just because they are the original 13 that there's something above any other member. They're not above any, they're not even, they're not one ounce above a sister Jackie Boston that we baptized here last Sunday night. She's blood bought, child of God, she belongs here, and she has got just as much respect as the oldest member in this church, yeah-wise or membership-wise. But who we need to recognize is the one that Moses and the nation is recognizing. God has saved us. And he don't want to save you and me spiritually. A lot of wishing going on in this old world we're born that way. The wish I wish tonight. I want to read you two or three statements that show you people that walking with God, their victory, and they show you their defeat when they depart. I know something about this experimentally. It's not to say that you're doing that now, friends. We're talking about tonight going forward. There's two ways to do it. One of them is success, one of them is defeat, sooner or later. So I'm going to read to you first about Israel. And through God, they obtained great victory. Israel has obeyed, not wished, but walked. And this is soon after their deliverance across the Red Sea. But here's a great victory for Israel. Exodus 15 and 6. Israel says this about their God. Thy right hand, O God, O Lord, is become glorious in height. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemy. Now then, I want to show you Israel otherwise. I want to show you a, 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 a lady, married but has delivered her child a little bit early and named it Ichabod because the glory of God is gone from Israel. And it's still gone, too. You don't have to have the glory of God to have so-called church. They so-called church throughout America with not any idea whether God's there or not. And they still have it, and they'll keep on having it. But the thing that alarms people is a body of people that God fights for them, and everyone knows about it. The most thrilling thing that ever happened to me about this church is not when people just gladly bragged on us. That never did do much for me. But the times that people have said, I don't understand how you've done it, that thrilled me. Believe that God is with them. That's when it's Real means the bottom of my soul. Now then, who's let us along in your opinion? Us or God? I'll catch you that God knows what you're thinking right now in your, in your brain. Who has led this attention? God or us? As these people made true statements when they when they seen that so much has been done here with such a few people, who's led us? God knows now what you think. He knows what I think. There's no way to hide from me. 
Susan, in your brain right now, God sees you, God through your soul. Who's that? Deep in your heart. The part that you place, you place the glory of God, or for our personalities, or for some other reason. God knows. That's not I'm just telling you what it meant to me when people indicate that they believe that God has caused the past for them. So, in 1 Samuel, chapter 4, verses 21 and 22, this has to do with Eli and his two sons. They've done contrary to the law now. This is Israel. They're leaving Israel to some degree. Uh, and they've been defeated. Israel has been defeated by the Philistines in battle. And uh, one of Eli's daughter-in-laws, or his son's daughter, has seen it a terrible defeat. She was a child, and she goes into labor pain and delivered this child, I would assume, a little bit before the set time. And she named this child Kishibob. Kishibob means the glory has departed. She's overcome with sorrow and anxiety that such calamity has befell her blessed nation. So let's read that. She says in verse 21, she delivered the child now. And she, and she named the child Kishibob, saying, The glory is departed from Israel. Because the ark of God was taken, and because of her father-in-law and her husband. And she said, The glory is departed from Israel, for the ark of God is taken. Now then, that didn't mean that Israel ceased to be a nation. That did not mean that Israel did not go on. But I'm going to say, I don't know now, I didn't, I didn't stop to look this up, but I'm just going to say tonight. But this same nation now that, that has kept going, some had lost a lot of its glory, had been defeated by its bitter enemy because God had withdrew his power from them. I'm going to say tonight, some 1,500 years later, Jesus Christ says to this same nation, uh, upon this incident, it's when the glory has been taken away completely and is still away tonight, and will stay away until Israel does what Jesus tells them here in Matthew 23 and 39. To this same people, Jesus said, For I say unto you, Ye shall not in obedience. Ye shall not see me henceforth. Till ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Now I hope you'll listen closely to this statement. When I was in Jerusalem over a year ago, I had the privilege of walking down real close to that weeping wall. And those people were running up there and Weeping, wishing, weeping, wishing for blessing. Friends, they can, they can wish and weep uh, from now on, but they'll never wish no blessing. It's just like Jonah. He wished, but he didn't do what he could have done. He could have killed himself. Just the people standing at that wishing wall, just wailing while wishing, wishing, oh, God bless us. But the only thing that will ever bring a blessing to that nation again is for that nation with an open confession say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Work. Listen. Be willing to do what Jesus says. That's like the church that has had its house full of young people and let them get away and then wish for a lot more and God will not give them. 
or anything that you, that you think of along these lines. Wishing won't get it for Israel. You must make that open confession that ye are the Christ. Oh, now, we're not going into the study tonight whether they'll say that later on or not. That's not the idea. I'm just telling you wishing. Not the way to be the true disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Samson is one of the more victorious men that you'll ever read about as long as he walked with God. I'm just going to read you one incident in Samson's life. It's in Judges 14 and 6. Strong, muscular man you know defeat. So he's walking along down towards the Philistine country, and there's a great ferocious lion run out upon him, and here's what he said, how he handled that. And the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit that way. It's said with a capital letter in the Old Testament. But it means the Holy Spirit, whether it's said with a capital or not. The Holy Spirit always been. But the Holy Spirit didn't come to abide inside of the believer permanently until any cause. You remember that. But he always come and give help to God's people when they needed it. But he wasn't a permanent abiding affair as a helper now I'm talking to you about. I'm not talking about a life giver. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And he rent him, that's the line, as he would have rent a kid, a little old baby goat. And he had nothing in his hand, but he told not his father or his mother what he'd done. Then I want to show you Samson without God. A Samson that had forgotten whence cometh his help. There's a lot of people in this day who believe that Samson's strength lay at his head. They wasn't out to strength in that head. The strength is in God, and when God left him, he is weakling. They take him and punch his eyes out, and he walks around as a little baby. But until that, all the wishing in the world couldn't change that. So here he is without God now, defeated. These ladies have uh, head in the lap of Delilah and said, Well, now, you know, the strength in my hand, so you simply believe that and give him a good kicking while he's asleep. Now she calls upon him to wake up. The Philistines is coming upon him. Let's read just what this verse says. Judges 16 and 20. And she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he woke out of his sleep and said, I'll go out as the other times before and shake myself. And he wished not that the Lord was departed from him. No, Samson didn't know that. I just go out and do what I've done before. I'll wrap myself up and take a little exercise and I'll go about and I'll defeat everyone. But the thing he didn't know that the Lord had departed from him. Well, this same man just put his those mighty shoulders on the gates of the city one time and just broke off with them. Feet after feet. But it was by the Spirit of God. You can't wish the Spirit of God in. You can't wish the Spirit of God out. The Spirit of God is a helper come to those that obey the Lord. But you can operate without Him. I can operate without Him. But I can't have any spiritual blessings. It's all blessings, carnal, and weak. Every bit of it. I remember, I'm going to say this tonight. I hadn't intended to say it. But about 18 years ago, I knew a bunch of preachers met together to make peace and to offer curse each other out and pull the churches up and take 15 years to get them together. Why'd they do that? 
is because the power of the Lord has departed and is operating under flesh and blood and they're defeated and throw everything asunder. And yet people said, in, even in my day, oh, Brother Wallace, just wasted his time. No, this Bible guarantees you victory under God. Victory that even the enemy will know that you're walking with him. And you know whose school that you're in. You're my disciple indeed if you continue in my word. But fishing not the answer. I don't know the men in the Bible that had more victory than Paul. But I don't know any man in the Bible who walked right as close to God as Paul. And guess what Paul said about victory in Philippians 4 and 13. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. In other words, the reason Paul had so much victory, he never did forget from his coming to hell. He believed that Jesus meant it. Without me, he can do nothing. Brother Wallace, well, how, how do you fit yourself in here? I fit myself in here in utter chaos sometimes. When I forget to say to be the Lord's will, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. Most of the time I end up against a brick wall, cannot go forward, and cannot go backwards. I'm going to tell you in church conferences in my church relationship over these 15 to 20 years, will it be here or elsewhere when we forget that? We travel in our own meditation, in our own strength. To end up like Samson walking as blind men, the blind leading the blind. Brethren, you that have accepted this office of responsibility, like Brother Wallace, is an awful load resting on your shoulder and on my shoulder. Where are we going to get our information? Whose school are we going to? Whose glory will we be seeking at? Not put me in there and me just like you. Who? I ask you, who? One way there's victory, one way there's chaos, utter, utter. I've heard this statement made more than one time in our assembly. That I went through my last church difficulty, and I will not see this church destroyed. This church or any other church can be destroyed without God. There's no man alive can hope. I don't deserve one ounce. I'll come in danger if this church has weathered storms under my knees. If they've been weathered in the sight of God to his accepting them, they've been weathered by his grace as we walk under that. I did tell what a preacher's done. He's just an old mortal man that's going to die. His body dead as a doornail one day. He's done anything worthwhile. He's been in the right school and listened to the right instructor. And therefore God has fought the battle for him. I believe that with all my heart tonight. Now then, in Matthew 16 and 18, Jesus said, And I say unto thee, And thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And there's three things, there's one more than that, but there's three things, and I believe them with all my heart. I know the three in here that I believe. I want you to know that I believe them. 
The first one is that the church has a divine origin. Jesus Christ said, he said, it's my church. Have you ever, have you noticed what the, the common expression has been for year after year after year until we get to believe in it? People say, that's Brother Wallace's church. I'm going to go up and read Brother Wallace's church today. Now, we say it don't make no difference. I know it does make a difference. Me and the other minister has a church. Jesus owns it. The church has a divine builder. We can, we can get members without Jesus, but we can't get one in heaven recognized without him. He's a divine builder. He said, I will build. Not you will build. I will build. And then, he's a divine founder. He said, upon this rock. Now, they can talk about his There are three things that I say I believe. The reason I want to point them out is to show you what that says that I believe. But I want to read this statement. For me to believe that these things be so, is to confess that I believe that the church of God is operated by spiritual means, and that born-again church members are to consult the owner as to his desires in operating his church. Now, you don't have to follow me. You don't even have to believe that. But I believe that any time that anyone goes into deliberation of their minds about the church, that he could console or consult the owner about what he thinks and what his school has said about the business at hand. I think without that, there is no spirituality in whatsoever. It's a bunch of carnal men thinking carnally, making up carnal rules to put before a church to lead them into destruction. I believe that. Now, you know, I believe that. I don't ask anyone else to believe it. But I want you to know what I believe. Now, here's my conclusion. I believe these men in this church of this caliber that I'm going to read about tonight. But I have you ever met in the United Churches of this caliber? Needs to labor diligently for the glory of God day and night. Spiritual men operating for Christ's sake. Now, this is the way the church is supposed to be run. Spiritual men operating for Christ's sake, not for the pastor's sake or the church's sake, not for their individual sake, but for the sake of Christ, the given glory. Here's the kind of men that I'd like to have a couple of thousand of. And I'd like to see more, but I don't even get most of these myself. They should be men with powerful minds. You show me a man of the Bible that God has used very much and have a powerful mind. I know that God can take the weakest sinner and cause him to be born again and thrill his soul, but when it comes to major operations, God generally calls men with powerful minds. He can train They'll have minds to grasp what he has Oh, how any, whether it's in the world and the spirit or natural realm, how that men can operate with powerful minds. But you put a man in the church with a powerful mind that won't use it spiritually, he's the most dangerous man that ever entered in anyone's door. But oh, what a sad shape a church is in without any of this power. Men with powerful minds. For the glory of God, I'm talking about. The next thing, men who cannot be scared. Blood or pressure. 
You show me a man that's operating for God of the powerful mind that cannot be booked or not afraid or not a coward, he'll do that church a thousandfold good. He's afraid or he can be booked and he's wondering what everybody thinks except God. He'll take that power and shipwreck it. Men who know how to get things done, that means many will stop wishing. Many won't go to the wishing well, but we'll go to the throne of grace and figure out here is the way we'll do it. If you please, if you keep, we'll ask you. Hang on that. You show me a church without these men, it's just nothing but a weakling just dragging along. I'm not asking you to believe this, I'm telling you what I believe tonight. Men who know how to get things done. Men who know what they will done. A man can think of a million things and never pinpoint anything and say, I believe that's the most important thing. We cannot go anywhere. Impossible to go anywhere. Then, men with clear ideas, six determinations to stand by them. Get up on a man with a fixed idea today, but in the meantime, he's run up on somebody else. So you better watch out. And he's scared him. And he run back. And he, he, he started out on something else. Oh, the road is full of them. But these men are scared. People that have come to the realization that we cannot reach our way through. But we must go to Christ's school in humble obedience and learn of him and beg of him and beg for the Holy Spirit and live under his influence and turn our lives over to him and labor therein. And any church that thinks it can operate without leave is on the branch of this act. Wherever it's at, there's what eyes it's in. Any government that thinks it can operate without leaders. Any school that thinks it can operate without leaders. Any PTA that thinks it can operate without leaders. Any church, whatever name it might be, thinks it can operate without leaders is actually denied the theology of Christ's school. Now, you, any church has this caliber of leaders, and they let the Holy Spirit lead them, to be mighty hard to stop for the glory of God. So this is not men with wishful thinking that I'll get to talk to you about. This is men with a surrendered life the owner of the church being constrained by his love to his love. You show me men that has this caliber will surrender their lives to Christ and realize he's the owner of the church and pray that, Lord, you let my life be constrained by the love of Christ. There's no force in the land that can stop us. Without this, we talk ourselves. But if we hear, love, or wherever it be. Now, if you don't believe me tonight, I ask you to go to Christ too a while longer. Reading his book, all the Bible. Thank you for listening to the To Faithful Men podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app. Also, if this podcast has been a blessing to you, Please share it with others and help our ratings by giving us five stars and writing a review within your podcast app. 2 Timothy 2.2 2 
says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also.